If you're going to do something that's difficult, surround your people, yourself with people that will help you. They're not trying to tear you down, worry about risk. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capital Girls City Center with my guest, Bill Prentice, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Meridian Energy Group. How are you this afternoon, Bill? Very well. Thank you. Very good. I'm so glad you could uh, be here. Uh, before we get into it, I wanted to please ask everyone to support the show by taking a few moments to leave a review on iTunes. So, Bill, let's talk about how you got started in the industry. Okay. It's a long time ago. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I was in construction and decided I wanted to see something of the world. So I applied to Floor Corporation for a job. Uh-huh. And that started me down the road of uh, being in the power and refinery business for the last 45 years. So, yeah. And I guess the big turning point was uh, about towards the end of the 70s, uh, I decided that I was too smart for all the companies I was working for and decided I could do it myself better. And so I started my first company about 1981. Uh-huh. And that was in the electric power business. Okay. And I've essentially been unemployable since then. Oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Too independent. And, I understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges you went through getting started in the industry, aside from, I, I guess, I get, being independent would be one. Well. There's pros and cons to that. Absolutely. I mean, it's an industry that, that relies on big companies to do big projects and big things, and that leaves very little room for the entrepreneur. So you have to get used to the idea that you're going to spend a lot of time wandering in the desert until your ideas become popular enough to capture the capital and the people. Right. It takes a long time to, to build a name that people will come to and want to work for on a very risky project. And all major energy projects are very risky when they start out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something to look forward to. I, I, I guess I like challenge and risk. Well, energy is your place then. Right. <laughs> a lot of change is coming. So, well, I think that's, that's pretty consistent through and through. It's the only constant really is change. That's true. But the industry doesn't like change. Especially this industry. Yeah. And there are several aspects of the power business, for instance, back in the 80s that are very similar to what's happening right now in refining. Mm -hmm. uh, regulatory relationships uh, tend to protect the status quo. Right. Uh, the capital markets don't like a lot of change. So there's not a lot of reward right now in refining for doing different things until somebody like our company comes along and manages to get lucky. Yeah. Before I got here, I, I spent a little time looking at what you guys are doing. It's some groundbreaking things. So let, let's go ahead and discuss your current role with Meridian and, sure. and what you guys are doing. Well, I was spending a couple of years uh, essentially semi-retired as an investment banker in California and became aware of a 
a young startup company called Meridian. They wanted to build a refinery in North Dakota. And meeting with the guys, they they wanted to do this to create jobs in an area where their families had roots. But they didn't really even know what a refinery did. So I got real curious and got involved as a consultant. And then I decided, okay, this industry is ripe for change. So let's do something here. So we put together the initial capital and uh, started building a team. And now we have this project in North Dakota, uh, the Davis Refinery, which is fully permitted. It's actually in construction now. Mm-hmm. And in doing that project, we put together what I consider one of the best teams in the industry. So why stop with one refinery? True. So a couple of weeks ago, we announced that we had secured a site over in the Permian. Perfect place. Yeah. And we're looking at other locations now for, for new refineries. Now, what makes your refineries different than the ones that currently exist? Well, we cheated. We start with a blank sheet of paper. And right now, the average age of the refinery plant and equipment in the United States is about 50 years. That sounds about right. Yeah. And there hasn't been a new full conversion refinery built since the 70s. Mm-hmm. So we started, as I said, with a blank sheet of paper, all new technology, much smaller refinery. The one in North Dakota is just under 50,000 barrels a day, but it's a synthetic minor source, which meant that uh, we get in under state air permitting requirements. We don't have to go through EPA. That is like the best thing in the world. Yeah. I've dealt with Yeah, I've I've dealt with the EPA. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. Yeah, a major source going through federal permitting with the administration we had at the time was just a non-starter. Yeah. So under most of the state's uh, state implementation plans with EPA, becoming a synthetic minor source with modern technology is not unachievable. So, you know, that's what we're doing. And the one in Permian will be slightly bigger, but also a synthetic minor source. Excellent. So these are full conversion plants, not topping units. Uh, they're much smaller. They're little little uh, miniature versions of what your grandfather's refinery was. Yeah. And they're a lot cleaner, too. Yeah, no emissions. No emissions. Well, I right? can't say no, but, you know, about one-tenth of what you would find in a, a current industry average refinery on a per-barrel basis. Excellent. That, I mean, that's great news. I mean, I love how far we've come with technology, and, and you're just showing exactly what, what is capable well, you know, not a lot of people in the refining business are happy about what I'm doing, but one thing we can all agree on is that the the fads that we've seen in terms of green technology mm-hmm. are just that. A lot of government subsidies, not a lot of technological strength. Uh, you take a brand new refinery like uh, our Davis refinery, a dollar invested into that asset will reduce greenhouse gas by a factor of two over a wind farm or a solar array because of all the energy that goes into those technologies before they ever get on the ground. You know, not to talk about the scar on the environment that I see when I see a big wind park yeah. or a big solar array. I think my refineries are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> now, why do other refiners dislike you? Well, we're going to create, uh, we're going to create change. Sounds very disruptive. Yeah, our permits uh, have, in effect, established a new uh, threshold for what is now considered best available controlled technology. 
other people getting permits from here on out are going to have to meet that bar. And it's going to be tougher with an established refinery than a, than a greenfield plant. So, again, we're cheating, but uh, you have to have some advantage. I wouldn't say cheating. I just I would I would think you're just ahead of the, the times. Well, you know, I, I think the industry has done a pretty good job of trying to manage this aging plant and equipment in a manner that minimizes pollution. But the relationship with regulatory authority does not give them a lot of room to move to try to be innovative. It's too risky for what they've already got in the ground. So, again, we're cheating, starting with a blank sheet of paper, blank piece of ground. Tabula rasa, yeah. So what are, what are some of the major challenges other than the other refiners disliking you and the you're, you're basically creating a new process within states and federal entities? And besides that, what were other challenges? Well, you know, we could use a lot of business buzzwords, but what it boils down to is when you do something like this, you spent a lot of time, in our case, two and a half, three years, convincing people we're not crazy. The air quality folks up in North Dakota started out not believing that you could build a full conversion plant and have it meet these standards. So we did probably three times as much engineering on the front end of Davis as you would normally do for a project like this. Okay. And that means a, a much larger investment. Uh, capital markets are not real receptive to a challenger in a industry that's this well organized, uh-huh. like refining. You know, it, it took a long time to be accepted by the people that were going to be writing our permits for us. Then, you know, attaining access to the crude, when some of those people are tied organizationally to other refiners, is another challenge. Again, you're you're creating change. People don't like that. Isn't that funny? People just don't like change? Yeah, it's funny, but you can understand it. You know, we met recently with a, a big old line refiner. And, you know, you meet with the guys that have a lot at stake with the way things are done now. And I felt really bad that, you know, we had such little sympathy for the way we're going to make life miserable for some of these guys moving forward. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I would lay heavy. Well, it doesn't weigh that heavy. Well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just heavy enough, but you can keep moving forward. Yeah. So through all of this, through your 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 time in construction and now in, in oil and gas and on the downstream side, if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? Well, having seen a lot of people who just did not believe And, you know, having a group of people I work with that were helpful and, you know, we would reinforce each other's ideas. If you're going to do something that's difficult, surround your people, yourself with people that will help you. They're not trying to tear you down, worry about risk. General Patton had a a saying, he always told his people not to take counsel of their fears. And there's a lot to be afraid of in doing what we're doing. But we managed to put a team together that was not afraid. And I would say that when you're tackling something tough, to a certain extent, you have to ignore the risk and just bull ahead. Move forward. Excellent advice. What book would you say influenced you the most? Well, I was raised by a father who insisted that I read all the classics by the time I was 12. So uh, it's funny that... uh, 
that all had an impact, but by far the most influential business author was Peter Drucker. And he led me to readings in the entire Austrian school of uh, economics. And it's reinforced my approach to the industry. I mean, the thought there is under a capitalist system, the process that the economy has to go through is one of creative destruction at various stages. You cannot reallocate resources to do the right things if you're afraid of hurting something else. Mm-hmm. You have to give up that fear, and you have to look for opportunities for innovation. And that, by its very nature, is a destructive process. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. What's your most used business tool? <laughs> Airplanes, cell phone, and laptop. <laughs> it's all communication. And, you know, and travel. Right yeah. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, Nothing will substitute for being there most of the time. And that's going to be tougher as we go forward with our company. We have offices in California, North Dakota, and Houston now, and soon in, uh, in Midland. Yep. You yeah. and everyone else. Yeah. I'm actually taking a trip there later this week, and boy. <laughs> wow. Tough to find a hotel room sometimes. Uh, we're not even staying in Midland. We're having to stay like 30 minutes away just because of the pricing and... Yeah, go up and see Carlsbad Caverns and stay at the uh, Travel Lodge up there. That's what I had to do once. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Not far away, yeah. I think, I think Big Spring. I haven't been there yet. Yeah, yeah. It's scenic route. Well, I guess it's really all scenic, but. Yeah, it's real close to our plant, though. Where we're going to put the Permian plant is just north of Kermit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's directly south of that area. Yeah, I think I've driven through there to avoid flooding or something. <laughs> <laughs> so recently, right? Yes. <laughs> A couple months ago. Who's your most respected competitor? Some of the smaller refiners, and it's funny to say smaller with companies like this, like Valero, for instance. They do a great job. One of the low-cost producers in the industry. Uh, That's kind of our target in terms of operating cost, who we're intending to beat. You know, there are other firms that are dabbling in edges of refining that, that we get a lot from. Some of the midstream firms that understand what we're trying to do and pulling a downstream model up closer to the uh, source of the crude have been very helpful. But in terms of refining, yeah, Valero is some of the smaller guys. You know, it's funny you say Valero is small. I know they're on, you know, they're... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, as, as refiners go, you know, in three and a half years, we'll have a little over 100,000 barrels per day in operation. And that's couple billion dollars worth of investment and we're just a mom and pop company at that point yeah yeah those are my favorite mom and pop shops (laughs) (laughs) what's your most important lesson learned well that goes back to my advice you know to avoid doing something to delay something that should be done because you're worried about the consequences you're worried about risk When everything that you have in your head tells you it's the right thing to do, uh, don't ignore that. Don't don't let your gut keep you from doing what needs to be done. Do the right thing, not the good thing? Yeah. And I I don't mean right necessarily in an altruistic manner. You know, we all have to be uh, guided by our enlightened self-interest in a capitalistic system. So don't be ashamed to do the thing that benefits you as long as you're doing it in the right way. I like that. I feel like I needed to hear that or something. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to say it. You know, we're criticized a lot for wanting to rock the boat, but it's the right thing to do now. Yeah, it is. The right circumstances. You're doing 
wonderful things. I'm really excited about what y'all are doing. We're real excited now too, but you know, with the Permian announcement of our site near uh, near Kermit, uh, it's funny because after four years, we're suddenly an overnight success, you know. And so, yeah, it's very exciting to be in this place at this time. Excellent. I don't know if this is applicable, but what's your favorite podcast? You guys. Uh, all of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll no, take that. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I've had Mark. Uh, Mark gave me an interview once, and I, I think you guys really look at what's important and try to say what needs to be said. Jason up in North Dakota, Jason's piece. Mm-hmm. He's also done a few things with us, and he's not afraid to rock the boat either. So. That's pretty cool. So thank you for joining me. Thank uh, you. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Meridian, how can they go about that? We have a couple of websites. Uh, one, davisrefinery.com is for the North Dakota refinery. Mm-hmm. Meridian Energy Group com is our main website, all spelled out. No spaces or anything in there. All right. And I'll make sure to put uh, show notes. And you're also on uh, LinkedIn as well. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. And actually, I've finally learned how to use that. <laughs> it, takes a, it takes a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm an old guy. And, you know, social media is kind of a new thing. So yeah. I actually posted something today. Ooh, I'm going to have to check it out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there'll be more for people to tune into. I hope so. Perfect. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.